say be very open-minded. Uh, be very open-minded. Go, go in with a vision and have, have a direction, right? So, you know, know, you have to know what you want, right? Uh, but the way to get there, there's like literally like a million plus one ways. Uh, so the more open-minded you are, the better you adapt because the journey to where we are now has been through like, you know, four or five pivots. Mm. And like very hard pivots from one industry to another uh, through, mm. you know, image analysis and text analysis and all that stuff. So uh, just keep that in mind. As long as you have a vision where you want to go, uh, but you keep an open mind, then you will, you will get there faster. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several businesses to seven and eight figure companies, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today we have another great guest on the podcast, and I'm sure I'm going to slaughter your name, but I'll try my best. Indrek Vainu? Vainu? Vainu, that's correct. Vainu. All right. I apologize. I, I made my best attempt. Um, but it is a quick in, er, intro to in, er, in, Indrek, and I'm, I stumble, I keep stumbling on the name, but I'll get it eventually. Um, so he's currently working on an AI startup and uh, is, uh, has about eight people on the team. A little bit before that, you were in, I think, born in Estonia when we talked a little bit before, studied in the U.S., graduated, went back to Estonia, started working for a little while, um, was hired on as a as a startup for machine learning then did work to the private company at, for the universities ran it for three years and i think grew to over 70 people and then you decided hey i want to do my own startup do my own thing found a co-founder a cto and that kind of has evolved into where you're at today is that a fair a fair summary or introduction yeah that sounds about right you you know your stuff so <laughs> you right. told the whole story all right so now that i've uh, given the brief intro, why don't we take a, a step back and go back to kind of when you're a Histonia growing up and then how that, or go through that journey of how you got to where you're at today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was born and raised in Estonia and, you know, it's a tiny country in the Northeastern Europe. Uh, and at the time, of course, uh, when I was born, you know, it was the Soviet Union. So, you know, until 1991, no private companies were allowed in the country. So if you, even if you wanted to be an entrepreneur, you couldn't, right? Um, so the, the history of entrepreneurship in the country where I was born is, is, is very short. Uh, but you know, nonetheless, um, I always have had uh, a curious mind and sort of wanting to learn things and just, you know, see what the world is like. Um, so I, uh, I ended up in, in college uh, in the U.S. I, I studied at Harvard for, for four years. And that was like a huge shift for me. Like that was like the sort of the, the leap into the unknown coming from, you know, totally, I would say, you know, like Cold War era in like a torn country. And then right in the middle of like, you know, super bright people and, and like a great environment. Uh, so that sort of opened my eyes a lot. And, uh, and what it gave me was really the understanding that, hey, um, you know, I like to try out new things, expand my mind, you know, jump into the unknown without, you know, very little, if, if any, <laughs> any preparation, right? Um, um, and, and so with that, uh, once, once I graduated, I decided to, to come back to Estonia uh, because there's a lot of opportunities, you know, if you wanted to run a business or learn. And so I ended up uh, through, a several, uh, through several things in the tech sector uh, because at the time, like it was like early 2000s, 
tech wasn't as hot as it is now, right? Now it's kind of obvious, but then it was a little bit non-obvious. Um, and uh, I was in the tech industry, worked with a few startup companies, and and then became a CEO of a, of a you know. Yep. Jack, before we dive into or go go quite down that, so you graduated, and I don't I don't know if we talked. What did you graduate in again? When you're in the I US? studied uh, I studied government and international relations. Um, so I wasn't oh, I didn't completely have... related to the tech industry. It set you up, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I didn't have any computer science background or anything. It was just something at the time that uh, actually I thought that I would become a diplomat uh, because uh, I thought that it suits my nature and I'm super calm and you know I like negotiations and. Mm. Well, there's the same traits you actually need in entrepreneurship as well, right? Uh, I just didn't know it that such a thing existed at the time because when you're young, you sort of have a limited understanding of what a profession is. You know, you are a doctor, you're a lawyer, you are a businessman, whatever that means, right? Uh, or you are a programmer. So it's, it's very sort of uh, clear cut. But of course, now these days, the roles are, you know, there's, there's a million different uh, roles in between. Um, so, so I graduated from that, um, but of course what it gave me was, you know, ability to digest through a lot of information, make, you know, make sense of it, what it means for me, uh, and then learn from that. Right. Um, so it has become handy. So, and I, and I think, no, that's, that's helpful. And I think that, as you said, after you graduated with your degree, nothing to do with the tech industry, but you went into first went into financial audits. Is that right? And you found that you absolutely hated financial audits. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I went into a financial audit. So basically you have to follow, I think what's now is called, it was called IF, IFRS or GAP. And, and, and basically, you know, go through accounting documents and things. Um, and I, what I found was that I did it. Uh, and, you know, again, it was like one of those things that I jumped in, you know, I, I think I, during one, like a one year period I was there, um, I think I did audit in more than 40 companies. So everything from like manufacturing to forestry to whatever it was, right? So I saw a lot of companies and that was exciting because, you know, I didn't have any experience from those sectors or fields before. Um, and, you know, I crunched a lot of numbers, uh, but from there I realized that, you know, crunching numbers is good, but I want to be more creative. Mm. And, you know, then, you know, tech for me has that, has that appealing of, of, of creativeness because creativity, because, you know, there's, it's the coding side, but then it's like, you know, what should be coded in the first place and what should be a product and things like that. So sort of I shifted from a pure numbers world into a more, you know, you know, a creative world to, to put it like that. So, so you made the decision that you didn't like financial audits or you hated them, whichever word is better, but then you said, okay, what I really like is the tech industry, but you didn't have, you know, what, conventional people would say the tech background, right? You didn't have computer yep. science or electrical engineering. You didn't, you hadn't written code for a long period of time and that. So how did you, but knowing that you wanted to go into the tech industry, how did you make that transition or say, this is how I'm going to jump into the tech industry or get involved or make that, you know, make that leap? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things at the time is that, you know, if you lead a company, ultimately you're in charge of two things, budget and people, right? doesn't matter if, if they're tech people or not. And so at the time, um, there was an opportunity to become, uh, uh, they were looking for a CEO of, uh, of a software engineering company. I mean, it was called like a data science company at the time. Now it would be called machine learning. Back mm. then it was big data, right? So this keywords changed, but the essence was the same. And uh, it, was a, it was a pretty cool undertaking. So it was a, 
It was a company that had, um, you know, part of the people were uh, from, from private companies and then uh, part of them were from universities. So the idea was to bring them together like a public private partnership um, and to run, we ran about two, like two, a dozen like data science projects. Um, and so, but they needed somebody, they needed somebody to oversee that, you know, to run the budgets, to run the people, make sure that you had deliverables and all of that. Um, and so I applied, um, I got the job and, you know, that became my thing for the next three, three and a half years. Um, so, you know, my, my task was to essentially have a critical eye and figure out, you know, when the engineers were delivering and when they were not. And it was more about, you know, um, looking at people, understanding them, like what they're making, but also at the same time, you know, understanding like what's the product you're creating because you know there, there's no point in just coding something for the sake of coding uh in, in the private sector it always has to have a have a product in the end to provide value um so it kind of was like you know it was kind of like a i wouldn't call it an incubator but we had sort of 12 different startups or projects within within that one company uh, which was again you know tons of experience over three years it was kind of like a kind of like a real life mba um, so it had a lot of, uh, things like, I mean, I had, I had a supervisory board of, of 12 people. I was the only management board member. Then I had 70 employees. So I was like sitting in the, in the middle of, of all of that communication chain. Uh, and then, uh, then of course, you know, you had to hire people, you had to fire people, um, uh, all those kinds of things happening in real life. And, and many of these things, you have no idea how to do them before you have to do them. So you just do them, right? It sounds sounds very uh, very uh, obvious, but you know many things. You just you know you just learn on the job, and there's no real right or wrong answer. Uh, but you just you just go with it, go with your gut, and then uh, figure out you know what what you should do and how you should do it, right? Mm. No, completely makes sense. So so you you make you start to make that transition. You get into tech, you get into machine learning. You come onto a private company. And then I said, I think you, you guys ran it. It was a private company that worked with universities and you ran it for about three years. You were involved with three years and it grew from a few people up to 70 people. Is that right? Yep. Yep. But then you do that. And then you said, I think you talked about now, Hey, I want to do this on my own or I want to do my own startup. I want to own it. I want to direct it. I want to be involved, you know, rather than building somebody else's company and doing your own. So then how did you make that next transition, that next leap from working with a tech company that, you know, you didn't necessarily found, but you're in early on to now starting your own. Yeah. So it sort of relates back to, you know, jumping into the unknown, like going from, from Estonia to college in the U S are, you know, really having this, um, you know, some call it a vision, some call it a hallucination, right? But, you know, whatever it is, you just, you want to, you want to, you have a vision, you want to get somewhere. Uh, you don't really know how. And of course, when you, when you work with smart people in the tech industry, you ultimately say, hey, you know, I have ideas on my own. I want to start something like just, you know, see, see, like see what the best version of myself is. Um, and many times, you know, people have that like business itch or that entrepreneurial itch. Uh, and so uh, at the time I had been there for three and a half years and I said, you know, I, I know plenty of people. I have some ideas. I've seen this, uh, you know, why don't I just do it on my own? Right. And it wasn't like an epiphany and one day you wake up and say, wow, I know I'm going to make a great company and it's going to be a great company. Like, 
yeah if somebody has that please let me know it would be a great it would be a great episode right but it wasn't my case i just knew i wanted to do something right and uh, something to try out and so so what happened is i am um, at the time in that company when i was running it i got approached by uh by a really uh, a really uh, smart guy who was a technical guy so he had a phd in neuroscience uh, his, uh, his name was hendrik and and he had this idea and i said you know this is a good idea like he's a smart guy he has technical skills i have you know why don't we go and, and, and make make this into a company um and essentially it didn't start immediately but you know it, it it took a little while but then we had this 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 click as 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 co-founders and then we said you know let's just do it right like it sounds exciting uh and, and let's just do it and it's sort of uh it's sort of interesting because I think when you start a company, um, it's really hard, right? So I'm not going to beat around the bush. It's like super hard. Like some, you know, people have said it's like, like chewing broken glass and you actually have to like it. Like it's, I think that's the most like brutal way, but brutal way I've heard about, but how people describe entrepreneurship. Mm. Um, and it's definitely a journey that is, uh, way more fun and also, uh, easier when you have a co-founder. Um, so I knew at the time that, um, you know, I didn't have the technical skills, but I had the business skills. Um, so I would need somebody who had the technical skills. Uh, and so, you know, I, by coincidence, I, you know, found, I found a great uh, co-founder. Um, so this is sort of one of the learnings I've had also is that, you know, you, you have to complement yourself with people who are different and have different skill sets than you, uh, when you go and embark on this, on this journey, what, what it has been. Mm. So, no, and I, and I agree with you. I think that there's a lot of highs and lows with starting your own company. And so I think that sometimes it's like, it's, you know, euphoric, euphoric nature of, hey, it's, it's, you have the, you know, you land a big client, you have a big, a good month, you get your first sale, it's great. And then the next month when everything feels like it's crashing down around you, then it's not so fun. And it's like the, the chewing glass type of a thing. But with that, now as you've got the company and how long ago did you start the, the company that you founded now? All right. Sorry. We're back. Some reason it cut right out on us and dumped me out. So <laughs> no problem. We'll pick up from where we left off at. Yep. So we'll just act as if that all will just uh, edit that out. Mm -hmm. But so you, you take the, so now how long have you been doing the company you're at now? Uh, three, almost four years. So you've been doing that now for almost four years and doing that, you know, you start out and, you know, there's different stages of a startup. One is just having the idea and the fun of actually seeing if it'll work and then building a company around it. Then as you get, you know, you start to build that, you get into a productization. We actually now take the idea, make it into something that people actually pay us for. And then you start to get the money in. And now I have to make it more of an operational company, right? Now we have to continue to deliver. So within those various stages, where would you say you're at today? I would say today we are at the place where, you know, we have a product, uh, we have paying customers. Um, it's, it's not so much about the new features in the product. It's more about SLAs and keeping it running. Uh, so I would say, you know, we're like, where's, where's like 50% features and 50% SLA. That's where we're at. But we're of course not mature where it's just, you know, let's keep the servers humming and you know, that's it. Right. Uh, we're, we're still very much a startup company. No. And, and I don't, I don't ever know when you actually 
or out of the startup company. If I've run companies for years now and it still feels like a startup, no matter how much money we make, no matter how much successful it is and what we do, it always still feels like a startup to me. So, and, uh, but I, I think you make the transition and there's certainly a difference between the very first day you start on it versus when you start to make sales. Yeah. So you did that. So now as you're building it, you've had four years on it. Where do you see the next tw- or six to 12 months going for you guys? So for us, it's, uh, it's largely about product development um, because, you know, you, you don't want to waste a good crisis. And I think from, from this crisis, uh, startups in general, uh, you know, the stronger, strongest product will emerge as the winner. Um, so what we're doing now is um, over the years, we've got a, because we work very tightly with customers. Uh, you know, we, we understand their feedback. They, you know, we have a feature list request that's, longer than 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 we can imagine um so with that you know we're we're just uh making the product better and you know one of the cool things about it is that you would think that in a space we're at so you know conversational ai and you know messaging automation you think like it's you know how like how difficult can it be and if you're in there you realize that it's it's super granular like any space sort of so you sort of just you know go down this this niche and just you know see those things you want to do and improve and get better and and one of the things we're realizing now is that you know as the product evolves you get ideas of what it actually could be right so it's like this classical story that you start out with something and then it grows like oh but this this could be great but what if no actually they like this thing and, and then we should have that and mm-hmm. so you sort of you know it's 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 finding the the right fit and, and getting the product to the place where you see that actually you know this is sort of the vision we've had as a company for, for a while. And this is what customers also appreciate. So finding that nexus, uh, what that, so that's what we're working on now. And of course, you know, sales, but this is, you know, this is what startups do 24 seven. So it's, that hasn't changed. No. And I think that that's, you know, there's a, as you enter the different phases of this, let's get a, a, and I hate the word minimally viable product in my mind. It always makes it sound like let's put out the crappiest product we can, but you put out the product, you know, you get the initial generation one going. And then I think to your point now it's, Hey, how do we make the product better? How do we polish it? How do yeah. we compete in the marketplace? How do we grow it? How do we let, you know, expand our reach and who, who's going to use it and all that. So I think that's an exciting time to be in. So now as you're, with that, as we're kind of getting towards the end of the podcast, I always have well two questions I ask at the end. So maybe we'll jump to those now. So within your whole journey, the, you know, one question I'd ask is what was the worst business decision you ever made? So there, there have been many. I would be lying if I said it was just one, right? Uh, there have been <laughs> several mistakes made, but I think one of the broader themes is that uh, you really, uh, you really, ha- you really get to know people, or you become better at reading them. So we had a case where um, you know we 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 wanted to work through distributors uh, because ultimately it's an enterprise sales model, and you know it's easier to find connections abroad through maybe distributors. And so we had this one distributor, um, we had a customer, we did the work, you know, it was, it was a great virtual assistant, it worked and did all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, he, he ran away with most of the money, right? Um, so, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, it just happens. And, you know, like if you run any business, uh, you will get scars, but, you know, you won't bleed out. You were just, you know, there will be scars, you'll learn from them. And every time you see them, you're like, okay. I've learned that lesson and, and then you go forward. But I think it's uh, the lesson is, is about 
uh, yeah, finding the right people, uh, trusting the right people, uh, and you know, uh, this 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 has been uh, also important understanding for us. And you know, that's why I think that the team we built so far is is absolutely amazing. Um, so I think I couldn't be happier with the team we have right now, both technically and and, and sales side. So that has been uh, that okay. was one lesson learned. <laughs> that's a good lesson to learn. Um, so now we'll jump to the second question. Second question is. Now you're talking to someone that's uh, just getting going with the startup or small business, just getting started. What would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? I would just say, be very open-minded, uh, be very open-minded, go, go in with a vision and have, have a direction, right? So, you know, know, you have to know what you want, right? Uh, but the way to get there, there's like literally like a million plus one ways. Uh, so the more open-minded you are, the better you adapt because the journey to where we are now has been through like, you know, four or five pivots mm. and like very hard pivots from one industry to another uh, through mm. you know, image analysis and text analysis and all that stuff. So uh, just keep that in mind. As long as you have a vision where you want to go, uh, but you keep an open mind, then you will, you will get there faster. Right. Because, you know, if you run against the wall five times, maybe it's a wall and you should take a different path. Like the sixth time, you'll also most likely run against that wall. So just keep, sometimes keep you have to break through the wall and other times you have to figure out a way around the wall. So. Exactly. Depends how strong your head is or how resilient you are. But yeah. Well, awesome. Well, and I think that's great advice. Well, now, and, and we didn't talk about it as, as much, but currently after you made your pivots, you're now doing kind of a customer service chatbots using AI. Is that right? Yeah, that is correct. Um, so what we do is uh, we automate customer communications uh, because one thing we see with enterprises and, and companies is that you know, the whole world moved digitally over the past five months that they should have had over the next five years, right? So there was a tremendous you know, leap in the digital transformation, if you want to call it. Mm. And, and you know, the communication between companies. Uh, oh, I just was uh, pulling up your website right there. Apologize. Oh, <laughs> okay, no problem. So, and so what we see is that, you know, customers are in channels where mostly companies are not. So customers are in WhatsApp, in Facebook Messenger, they want to chat and do messaging apps. Uh, and so we bring uh, companies to that era, right? So we be, bring basically companies to the party where the customers already are, uh, but also allow it to do so that if you're a company and have millions of customers, there's no way to have these conversations one-on-one. So we create chatbots or virtual assistants and, you know, smart ways that the bots can do their work well, that customers are happy, and then also make the, uh, the company's uh, customer service teams uh, more productive and efficient. Mm. So now that I interrupted your great answer with your website, now that does get us a transition. So now people want to use your chatbots. They want to say, hey, you know, customer <laughs> service is hard and I want to integrate it in there. I want to make it simpler. I want to still be responsive to customers. I want to be able to make sure that their questions are answered, but I don't have the time or ability or desire to have a full, full-time customer service team that oftentimes just sits there. What's the best way to find out about your services, what you offer, connect up with you if people want to use your service. They want to invest in your service. They want to be an employee of your company. They want to just reach out to you and learn out more about it. Any or all of the above, what's the best way to find out more? So yeah, you can just email us hello at alphablues.com or just uh, find me on LinkedIn. Um, two easiest ways. And obviously alphablues.com is the website that I pulled up that was starting to talk exactly. to me. We were chatting. So. And be, you know, you can chat with our bot, leave your message there and we'll get in touch that way. And so we also have a bot in WhatsApp. So if you want to reach us through messaging. It's choose your channel of choice. I would say that. 
<laughs> All right. Well, perfect. Well, appreciate you coming on. It's been a pleasure. It's fun to hear about your journey. And uh, I certainly encourage people that are looking for the, the better customer service o- or option um, for doing a, a smarter chat bot, making sure that uh, it uh, answers people's questions rather than frustrating them. Certainly check out Alpha Blues and uh, reach out to you with any questions they have. Um, thank you again for coming on. Now, for those of you that are have your own journey to tell, love to have you on the podcast to tell your journey. Feel free to just go to inventivejourneyguest.com and apply it to be on the podcast. For those of you that are listeners, make sure to click subscribe so you get notifications of all the new episodes as they go out. And lastly, if you ever need any help with patents or trademarks, we are absolutely here to help and make sure you're, you're taken care of. Well, Indrik, thank you again for coming on. It's been a pleasure and I wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you very much.